What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Years ago, I led a group of women to Sedona and about 20 of us. The very last night, we did a ceremony at night, you know, with a fire. We drove off in different trucks, but we all ended up, three, four trucks of us, converging in the desert at the same place. We saw spaceships. There were spaceships. Three spaceships. The next morning, half the women said they didn't. It didn't happen. Half of them were like that never happened. Wait, so from your perspective, what what was that experience like? The spaceships, because this seems like a really life defining moment. What? <laughs> it was. They were they were spaceships. I mean, they were like you know, kind of how they look, you know, like saucers. And they dipped down, and I could hear the thought forms of one of the spaceships talking to us. So I channeled through some of the message it was very loving it was very kind um and and you know it it was they were beings they were not air force they were not air force (laughs) they were uh, no they were beings from other planets talking the seven chakras swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. All right, everyone. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. In today's episode, I chat once again with the amazing Cindy Dale about powerful themes such as human energetics and energy medicine, quantum spookiness, dual universes, causal storylines, entities, aliens, and much more. 
these are topics that I personally love and I'm sure you will love as well. So to avoid missing out on any future episode, then make sure firstly that you hit the subscribe button, especially if you're on iTunes or uh, if you're on Spotify, make sure that you hit follow because that lets the algorithm know that uh, people like this episode and so that way more people will get to know about this particular episode in particular. And if you like our podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast so far, then make sure you take two minutes right now. You can pause this episode, write us an iTunes rating and review, and then hit continue because again, that one uh, iTunes review can really help more people get to know about us and that exactly is the goal of this show. So, with that being said, let's bring on our special guest for today, Cindy Dale. Cindy is an internationally renowned author, speaker, intuitive energy healer, and professor of energy medicine. She has authored 30 books on energy healing, spirituality, and intuition, including the Bible of Energy Medicine and winner of four internationally recognized Publisher awards The Subtle Body and Encyclopedia of Your Energetic Anatomy and the largest compendium of chakra knowledge ever produced, Lewin's Complete Book of Chakra. Since starting this August, Cindy will also lead a one-year energy healing training and certification program through the Shift Network. This in-depth program will be based on our groundbreaking book, Advanced Chakra Healing, which we're going to speak about today. Apart from other themes and topics that I was hoping to explore. So, Cindy, welcome to our show again. Thank you. I'm really glad we're throwing in aliens and <laughs> a few off-world topics. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we're all interested in that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's what I find that... Uh, not just me, but a lot of people listening to the show love to learn about the healing part of it, uh, but they also love to hear about some of the bizarre, the spooky, the strange, the eerie things that um, make up our world and our universe. And uh, that's something I'm sure you'll agree on, right? Not everything is mundane and natural or normal. <laughs> we have enough. We have enough mundane. I also have to do the laundry, the wash, right? Pay yeah, the bills. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of fun to go into those other directions that, that, you know, for thousands of years, humans have been interested in them. So why wouldn't we be? Exactly. And also just to pique the interest of our uh, listeners today, I was hoping to start on this uh, profound, I guess, section uh, or this writing that was, I believe, I heard it first uh, written by Deepak Chopra. And I'm sure that this passage is going to really uh, open up our listeners' mind and help them really understand what's going on on today's episode of it a bit deeper, right? So they say that scientists all over the world are having these two profound questions. Uh, what is the universe made of? That's the ultimate fundamental fundamental question because 70% of uh, is dark energy a force that behaves opposite to gravity moving galaxies apart faster than the speed of light and of this 26% is made of dark matter it's invisible because it's not made of atomic matter it doesn't reflect refract or absorb light scientists are struggling to find out what it's made of and so far they've managed to describe this as wimps Weak 
weakly interactive massive particles and this is responsible for most of the gravity in the universe and it literally holds our uh, galaxies together the remaining four percent is atomic which is hydrogen and helium and of this four percent 99.99 percent is invisible interstellar dust so the visible universe the things that we see around or pretend to see is 0.01 percent of all that exists and this 0.01% includes billions of galaxies, hundreds of billions of stars, trillions of planets, and much more. The rest, 99.99%, as they say, is unknown and probably unknowable. And that does not even count or, you know, um, calculate the fact that, uh, you know, this 0.01% of the universe is made of particles which is electrons protons neutrons and quarks but when we actually look at these particles they appear as material objects with units of mass and energy but there's also a spooky part which is when that particle uh, hasn't been seen when it's not when it hasn't been seen it can act either as a particle or as a wave so the particle and wave are complementary aspects of the same reality right so what are your thoughts on this oh i love talking about this so okay on a basic level we just know very little about who we are what we're doing here and what's happening all right and you know i like to talk about how of what you're talking about somewhat you know kind of the atomic you know kind of world 99.999 percent of it you know is is subtle energy we don't understand what it is but we're made out of all those different types of energies mm -hmm. so i think that's what's really important to really focus on um for instance there's a type of light now we're calling it absolute light and it equates with dark matter okay there's a type of light that seems to have pre-existed the big bang mm -hmm. all right pre-existed the big bang and we can hear it in cosmic background radiation we see it in this sort of a still light that some would call dark matter that's here and that exists. And it's in twists of light that are out in the universe as well. So it's twists of light that don't move. So while our universe is speeding along, these twists of light are not, nothing's happening. And you know what? That absolute light casts no darkness. It casts no darkness. And so I believe we're made out of that energy as well as all these other types of energies that you're talking about, you know, and to me that that one type of light alone really equates with spiritual energy or spiritual light. So, you know, when we talk about heaven, heaven on earth, or where do we go after we die, or where really are we, you know, even while we're alive, I think just one of these many, many different kinds of energy you're talking about is probably more like the spiritual energy that we're always talking about that we are, that we're made out of, that's here and everywhere. So, I mean, that's just one of the different types of light that you're talking about. The dark energy is really interesting. That's the stuff that keeps everything super luminally, ooh, you know, moving faster than the speed of light, right. right? It seems that there's dark energy in our melanin, mm. in our body. Isn't this fascinating? In the melanin and the neuromelanin in particular. And so when people have more 
enlightening experiences when they move toward whatever you want to call enlightenment. But, and, you know, I'd love to talk more about that because, you know, I'm, I'm a big person for chakras and chakras are ultimately about being functional, you know, but moving into a greater state of awareness, you know, alive and not alive, right? In whatever state, you know, of awareness that we're in. Even in the body, we have dark energy that's performing a sort of photosynthesis for us all the time. And when we're in a more elevated state, aware or evolved spiritual state, that dark energy in the body actually performs healing. Mm. It creates these interesting Mobius loops inside of the system. You know, it's really fascinating just talking about the ingredients in the universe or multi-universe that were made out of that as well. We're made out of all those energies. Exactly. It just speaks to the idea that, you know, people used to say, right, go find medicines in the forest where we produce medicine within, you know, go find this thing out there. Maybe the truth is within. Go find aliens out there. And a lot of people are finding that through meditation, or some kind of introception, they're able to psychically connect with aliens or some other beings telepathically, right? They're getting these downloads and these visions, and they're not necessarily astronauts going to the far frontiers of humankind. They're sitting where they are. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we've got dark matter, which is more gravitational, right? We've got dark energy, which spreads that we have in us. We're made out of absolute light. The universe, you know, the pre-Big Bang still exists, even in this state of what I would call more polarity consciousness, the little tiny bit of, you know, like electrons and, you know, magnetism that we think is all that there is. So why wouldn't there be more than what we're aware of? And, you know, at least 20, when I first studied ETs and other cultures, 28 years ago, when I started with this, at that point, 26 cultures were known, were known to say that they came from other planets. Since the 60s, there's been more and more meetings, groups getting together of, you know, indigenous tribes, tribal, um, you know, kind of leaders from around the world, meeting annually to talk about the messages of the stars, that they're starseed, and that the star beings, whatever you want to call, you know, the beings from other places, are really quickening the messages they're trying to give us. Because as we know, we're really at a critical level right now of more than surviving or not. You know, it's like, are we going to, are we going to turn into the, you know, are we going to, are we going to, you know, fulfill our capacity for love or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, very true. I feel also collectively, energetically, we've reached a precipice right now or maybe a, a threshold point of energy, right? Where you just feel deep down that something's about to happen. Something's about to smash, so to speak, or something, some portal is about to open. I think everyone has that feeling around intuitively. From your point of view, based on what you're seeing in the conversations that you're having, what's happening on planet Earth today? What is your assessment energetically? Well, I'm actually going to borrow the title of a series of young adult novels mm-hmm. written by a woman named Susan Cooper. Uh, she wrote uh, a lot of books years and years ago, set in Wales, and they have this kind of King Arthur Merlin theme, which I think we all love because it speaks to the archetype, you know, of development and heroism and 
uh, failing, <laughs> right, <laughs> that we're all well acquainted with. And the series is called, and the first book is called, The Dark is Rising. So I really do believe the dark is rising. It's rising. It's always been here, whatever we want to call the dark, uh, evil, absence of light, uh, contrast, uh, free will, choices, uh, you know, kind of despair. Uh, you know, the, we all know what it is when I say the word, the dark. We feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these feelings inside. We look at the world. You know, we look at Syria, Ethiopia, Ukraine, our own hometowns, maybe our homes, maybe our hearts, you know, and, you know, kind of what's happening in politics all over the world right now. And we go, there's darkness. There's darkness and maybe it's just because of the internet. You know, there's a perception that it's rising. It's always been here. Mm -hmm. It always, you know, ebbs and flows. But the theme in her books is when the dark rises, so does the light. Mm. And maybe we have to, you know, kind of look a little inverted inside out and upside down at this. Maybe the light's not rising because the dark is rising. I like to think that the light is rising and that's why the dark is rising. Mm. That there is this sort of, on the individual and collective level, there's beings and they're visible beings, invisible beings, animate, inanimate, the deceased, the living, um, you know, any species of any sort, you know, there's like, I do believe there's a calling, there's a stirring uh, to say, what, what are we going to choose? What am I going to choose? You can't choose for other people. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't. And if you study creativity, if you study great change, you know, look at uh, anytime there's been a big movement in a country, in a culture, in the world, it's typically a singular person, mm -hmm. right? Who others join with, but we can each be that singular person. And, you know, as in Hindu and Greek and, um, you know, all kinds of different cultures, they talk about just on earth, the ebb and flow of different, different eras and different eons, you know, and we're right about there where the eons or the yugas start to fail. Mm. So we're at the failing point. And if history is right, we have collectively failed many times, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do, and, and we always carry something through to the next age. We carry some truth, yep. some guiding set of messages that become scripture in different religions the next time around. Mm -hmm. Well, do, do we have to do it that way? Must we do that? What do you think, AJ? Do we have to do this again? <laughs> well, one thing that definitely comes to my mind, and maybe you can speak to this, if let's say if there was a prophet today, or there's a sage who came, quote unquote, to, you know, because things have become very bad, beyond uh, control, and somebody's here to pass on the message. Do you feel that this, quote unquote, prophet or sage would have like a, you know, like uh, 500,000 or 1 million followers? Do you think social media is going to play a huge component? Or do you think they'll come out of nowhere? And then, you know, they'll uh, they'll uh, acquire the social um, you know, support, so to speak. Because if you think about it, um, you know, all these billionaires like Elon Musk and, you know, uh, whoever, Bill Gates, people adore Bezos. them, they worship them, just like 
uh, demigods, right? <laughs> so, so who's who's the who's the prophet? Will you know? What are your thoughts on that? If someone genuinely wants to come, will they then have to use uh, these forces, these tools of social media, in order to influence whether it's a positive change? All right. Well, this is an interesting question. I'm going to a- answer a different question yeah. or share some revelations I had about a year ago, yeah. and then go forward. So about a year ago, I was working with a client. This is pre-Ukraine, mm-hmm. okay, pre-what's going on. Right. And I had a client who's in finance. She's really, really up in the finance world, runs her own business, you know, and she said, what do you see coming? And her deceased father talks to me. I love her deceased father. You know, he types. I didn't even know her father was deceased. He died of COVID, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic. And I never worked with this woman before. And I see typing on an old fashioned typewriter and I'm communicating what's being typed. And she goes, that's my dad. Mm. He always used an old fashioned upright typewriter. So he gives me this pic, these pictures. He shows me Putin. All right. He shows me an atom bomb going off in February of 22, which it did. He set it up, you know, up north just to scare everybody. And he, I was shown this picture of Putin looking down the barrel of a gun at his own death and before any of this stuff unfolded. And I could see oddly that the Russians, the Soviet Union, you know, had developed, they're really into paranormal. Uh, experimentation, had developed what they believed to be some kind of a tool to talk to deceased souls. Mm. And that Putin believed that he was talking to the dead leaders like Peter the Great, who were saying to him, you know, go forward and reconquer the greatness that we were. Now, all of that has come to pass. The bomb, Putin invading the Ukraine, which was also obvious. He has cancer, which we're finding out. He's quoting Peter the Great, which we found out. So it's kind of like, what's going on here, right? Why is there some predestined, but we didn't know Zelensky was going to stand up. You know, we didn't know that there were going to be these figures that would stand behind somebody brave enough to speak truth. Now, I'm only saying this not to talk about all my revelations come true, but to answer your question. Several years ago, I had a dream. There are certain types of dreams, AJ, when I get them, they're real. I know they're real. I don't, I don't research them. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything to make them happen. We, we have that experience. We all do. There's a voice or there's a vision. And it's like, just remember them. I mean, just remember this. And I saw a prophet rising out of a country like, you know, Olivia, like a country like that, which nobody thinks about that part of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it's technically, you know, what that country has been, um, but it's that area of the world. And I kept seeing this figure calling people, I don't know if it's a male or a female, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, you, know, call, you know, just starting small. And people following because the message was very simple. Mm. It was very simple. It was just about love. It was with, you know, choose love in your life, love thy neighbors, put, you know, do what's right to do. You know, kind of, it's, it's what I would call the teachings of the light that have existed across this galaxy and this world for hundreds of thousands of years. Mm. The Essenes kept them. They're just teachings of the light. We keep them in our breast. They're in our hearts. And 
I believe there is something or somebody like that, a movement like that. Do I think they start on social media? Heck no. (laughs) I don't think so. Right? I mean, I don't believe so. I think it's got to personally, I think it's got to be more organic than that. Do you know what I mean? Something that's more deliverable, organic, kind, real, not a guru, not somebody who's like, follow me, somebody who's more like, follow what you know is right. Don't listen to me. Don't, don't follow my God, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Don't follow my path. You know, don't follow these 10 commandments or these five, you know, rules or these seven agreements or whatever. What is in your heart? So I believe we do have something or someone coming like that. That's going to be about, look, be self-responsible. You have the answers inside. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Libya next. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go to Libya. Do you know, do you know there's cool, there's such cool prehistoric art there in the caves. I've been wanting to go to Libya for like 15 years. Oh, really? I've been, I've been meaning to go to that area. You know, like you said, Libya and even Morocco. I I just love the fact that it's right. Like close to the Mediterranean, good food, good weather. Yeah. Well, Morocco is very interesting, too, because for several hundred years, the three members of the Abrahamic religions have lived there in relative peace, too. Yeah, I've been to Morocco a couple times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's even even Ethiopia, you know, has Mm -hmm. is uh, seemingly the host of the Ark of the Covenant. Seemingly, there's a group of a community of black Jewish people there. And I could go on and on about that because I've studied that tribalism all the way back to Moses. You know, when Moses, you know, married a Kushite woman who's a black woman. I mean, we just know so very little of our real history. Really, uh, very little of it. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. that's very true. I, I didn't know that he married a Kushite woman, uh, woman. But also, I know that even uh, like Christianity draws so much from places in Iraq and Mesopotamia, right? As well, like a lot of the traditions and rituals and you know um, worldview is also borrowed from there, and maybe even from Iran as well. That's what I've. Heard. Oh, very much. Iran and, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, they're very, very similar actually to the Vedic scriptures, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yep. <laughs> so we, we seem to be, you know, a family mm-hmm. that's forgotten that we're all related. Right, right. And since you spoke about Ethiopia, what came to my mind is, I think it, Ethiopia plays a critical role in each of our mornings, right? Because we ritualistically do plant medicine every morning. We don't realize that coffee is also plant, and that's a plant medicine. That's a plant medicine that we're consuming that helps us right, uh, awaken our senses and maybe our consciousness as well in terms of our vibratory level. And some people, I guess most people, overdo it. Right? They have too much of coffee. They feel like tired and slouched. But if I feel like if you have pure coffee and in the right amount, it can really make for an amazing awakening experience. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. I think you're right. I do tea. I'm allergic okay. to coffee, but that's my brew. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was listening one time to Michael Pollan. He's written, mm. you know, kind of the Bible on sacred plant medicine and psychedelics. And there's so much research. And he said, you know, there's only one country or culture that did not use sacred medicines, mm. right? Like psychedelic type hallucinogens, et cetera. Uh, he said it's Greenland. Because they have no plants there. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We are meant to awaken. We're meant to use what's on this earth to awaken, Mm. you know, ourselves and each other. And um, yeah, let's just see what happens with, you know, Ethiopia, Morocco, Libya, you know, kind of some of the the ancient roots of our, of our, you know, sisterhood, brotherhood, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of see if we can... I'm, I'm waiting. I think we need a new message. Mm-hmm. And I think the message needs to point back to self-responsibility and self-enlightenment, you know, enlightenment at some level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, in your, in your book, Advanced Chakra Healing, which by the way, is so huge, over 800 pages, uh, made for a hard you know, decision and choice to uh, decide, you know, what to pick and choose and what to talk about. But one thing that really uh you know stood out stood out for me was when you talk about soul healing and you say the soul is interconnected to dimensions across time it is able to communicate with beings and forces far beyond the norm and visit the sites wild and wonderful though usually unseen and while these linkages lend to a magicality to our sometimes gray human lives they also leave the soul vulnerable to unusual problems so what unusual problems are these and maybe we can take it from there yeah yeah we are even the brain the this little tiny human brain also has been shown 
to mathematically function in the 11 known dimensions simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So what our soul, isn't that amazing? 11 known dimensions, which means there's more. (laughs) I don't need to go there though, (laughs) right? (laughs) So the soul, the soul is just a timepiece. The soul is a soul is a time traveler. It's a space time traveler. And so even though we're not aware that our soul is maybe still, you know, experiencing a past life, in Andromeda, at the same time, it's in a potential future, you know, kind of 3,000 years from now, or in a concurrent reality that we're co-living, you know, in this very moment or inhabiting somebody else's body just for a second, you know, just to help them out or gain an experience. That's how complicated and busy our souls are. So, of course, I mean, there's many, many challenges being that inter- planetary, interdimensional, inter-everywhere at the same time. I mean, I just know what's happening for myself when I'm, you know, kind of, you know, trying to answer the phone, the television on is on, a child needs something, you know, the dog is, you know, kind of having an accident in the house, the male person is out there. I mean, talk about overwhelm. Mm -hmm. So many times within a body structure, So your body is supposed to have your soul in it and your soul is around it, right? Um, But you have to have the experience of this life, you know, to really make use of it. You need to be embodied, Mm -hmm. right? You need your soul embodied. Um, But often it gets so distended and distracted that can lead to anxiety. It can lead to soul fragmentation. So where the soul's literally stuck somewhere else while it's still, you know, kind of trying to lob along here, um, it can lead to soul possession where, you know, some, a part of somebody else's soul or their entire soul is owning a part of who you are, whether that be a chakra, a part of your body, the soul, it can lead to soul recession where a part of your soul is just kind of hiding somewhere. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to come into this lifetime. I'm sorry. I'm staying on Mars. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It doesn't want to be here. So it's hiding or it's hiding, you know, kind of in your gut when when you were yelled at, you know, when you were three. So soul bonds, soul, uh, you know, oh, you know, it just goes on and on. We've got cords and attachments and Mm -hmm. bonds with other beings and things. And many a time I work with somebody who seems to have an overwhelming life problem, whether it be cancer, heart disease, uh, mental illness, inability to get a job, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And it's the soul. It's their soul. Um, Their soul is stuck somewhere. Their soul won't come out and play. You know, their soul is bonded to another soul that's overwhelming or overpowering it. So, um, you know, all healing Mm -hmm. in the indigenous uh, basic approach where Every culture had whatever they call a shaman or a priest healer. They didn't separate medicine, the use of herbs or, you know, different kind of prescriptive treatments or surgery or whatever. They didn't separate it out from spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one and the same. You To treat the body, you usually have to treat the soul. To treat right. the soul, many times you also have to treat the body. That's true. You, you, we have to do both. There's a really interesting culture in Bolivia. Um, I can't pronounce their name, so I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's in one of my books. It's, it's, not, it's the catch. I, I'm not even going to try. Um, but they live on mountains, 
And the mountains are divided into three parts, top, middle, bottom. All right. Mm -hmm. And um, there's different curanderos, different types of healers who live in these different parts of the mountain. And they're in charge of different parts of a person's body. So if you have a problem with the lower body, you go to the lower part of the mountain. And maybe you'll look at what's going on with the land. Maybe the land has a problem and is creating a challenge in the person's body. Or maybe a lot of people's souls are disturbed or diseased, and it could cause a challenge in the crops in that part of the land. So it's there's a oneness. I find a lot of times when people do chakra work or chakra enlightenment or meditation, it's easy to forget the body part, and we can't forget the intertwining while we're here either. Yeah, it's very interesting how in this example, the human body's condition is connected to the condition of the mountain. And then they sort of subdivided that. I just thought about this yesterday or maybe day before. You know, you have these uh, energetic centers around the world and ley lines and how they crisscross and connect. Have you come across a system which takes into account things like your birth date or your energy type and your chakra, you know, pattern or your, you know, your, your, your purpose overall, maybe, and then suggests which point on earth would be most aligned for you to live and really actualize your mission, right? So for example, they may say, oh, you live in uh, Toronto right now. That's not the best for you, you know? If you want to get into tech, maybe that's the best, but you should be living out here because you want to be maybe an artist or you right you want to run some retreats this is a place that's going to be energetically most aligned for you to express your true calling have you heard heard of something like that oh yeah there's many versions of that kind of astrocartography okay. you know and people who who specialize in it who again might look at your birth date your soul your calling you know your strongest chakras versus weakest chakras and do a matchup mm-hmm. i often work with people with an energy body that's not very well understood. It's somewhere in the middle of that 800-page book, okay? okay? So I'm not going to test you on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's called it's called the Vivaxix. Okay. V-I-V-A-X-I-S. Okay. And years ago, a woman named Frances Nixon was teaching about it. It's like an umbilical cord. It's a field that is that emerges from our conceived body, you know, at conception, and that forms a, literally like a, a connection, a bond, a cord to the place that we're, you know, birthed upon. Okay. So to our land, to where we are. Yeah. It makes sense that we would do that. And we have been doing this type of activity, uh, you know, sort of metaphysical activity um, for thousands and thousands of years because people. They might have been in a nomadic culture, but they tend to still visit, you know, the same sites over and over following in Australia, the song lines or the ley lines mm-hmm. or the, you know, the desert people, the Turigs still, you know, they they were nomadic, but they journeyed to the same places. So there's a way of being connected to the earth and drawing from it mm-hmm. and knowing what it needs from us. But, you know, a lot of people's illnesses come from this five axis. So they may not be suited on the land that they're born in. Maybe these weren't the parents they originally contracted to get, or they were adopted out, 
or they're really strong in a past life. And mm -hmm. so this umbilical cord, I met one woman, she did not look Scottish. She did not at all. And I said, why do I keep thinking about Scotland with you? She goes, oh, I love Scotland. I've always wanted to live in Scotland. Well, because of a very positive set of past lives, this five axis was over in Scotland. And I said, I think you're going to have to go to Scotland. Oh. <laughs> so, so one woman I worked with um, had many, many major illnesses, like, I don't know, eight different ones. And nobody could ever figure it out or really help her with anything. I mean, she did the whole medical, holistic, changed her diet, gluten-free, you know, the whole bit. And I said, where, I said, you know, I keep seeing this farmland mm. in Europe, maybe, maybe in Holland that looks polluted. And I said, where were you born? She goes, in Holland. I said, where? She said, at a farm. I said, do you still own the farm? Does your family still own the farm? And she said, no, we sold it. I said, you should find out whatever happened to that farm. Well, it was turned into a waste management site. Mm. She was absorbing through that vivaxix the toxins that were now in that earth place. So I do believe there's really right places for us to live because it's all about frequency, isn't it? Isn't everything about frequency, matching frequency, supportive frequency, you know, and things we can do even if we can't live in one of those places. So in that example of the lady who was drawing in this uh, pollution, what could she have done in that case? Because I've access was obviously pointing to a place where she doesn't live, probably has limited control in terms of that you know factory or whatever so what did she do end up doing then we moved it we just moved the vivaxix oh. we moved it to we moved it to where she lived and anyone can it's it's our body it's our energy system <laughs> I mean, right. right we're not stuck with something yeah. i mean yeah i have blue eyes it's going to be pretty hard to change the color of my eyes i get it that's fine right mm -hmm. so we moved the vivaxix she actually put it in two or three other places one of the places she put it in, she put it in to Toronto where she was living a thousand years previously. So the land was pure and clean. She put another in an off-world planet. Let's go back to our ETs, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she put it off-world in a place that she knew she came from. Okay. And she put the and she put the third in whatever she, you know, calls heaven. Mm -hmm. So once we find out about something, it's kind of fun to not feel victimized, you know, by what is going on in this subtle energetic world or this, you know, dark matter, dark energy. Oh, you know, where we're so teeny and tiny. Mm -hmm. You can play around. You can, you can, you can play with energy. Uh, I mean, think about it first, because it is, it is power. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, but, you know, kind of make more of yourself knowing about energy. Very, very interesting. And I'm sure that people who are listening right now to Vivaxix are feeling a bit uh, more empowered knowing that things are not every time limited by time and space. Like you mentioned, she was able to not just put her Vivaxix in Toronto, but thousands of years back, going back in time when there was less pollution. It really opened things, opens things up for people. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask you about two other terms that you talk about in your book. Uh, one is the miasm, and the second is 
the energetic implants. And, and you say a miasm is an energetic field that programs a group of souls or family members. And an energetic uh, you know, implant is are accessories that set that are set in someone's system by another. So could you provide us an overview of what these two are and maybe maybe a glimpse into the differences between these two? Yes, absolutely. So again, the reason we're going over this is to empower people. It's for mm-hmm. you to go, I don't need to be a victim of what I didn't even know existed a few minutes ago. Yeah, it yeah, can yeah. help explain explain what I'm going through so I can shift it. The idea of a miasm has been around for a really long time. It's actually very similar to Hahnemann, Samuel Hahnemann. He brought forward homeopathy, you know, quite a long time ago, where he said there are miasms or energetic patterns Mm -hmm. that tend to be inherited, you know, generationally that set you up for certain traits, certain disease traits, mental, emotional, physical, etc. Mm-hmm. So we're working with the same idea. Um, yet another uh, researcher, Rupert Sheldrake, very interesting man, um, years and years ago talked about how we have what he called morphogenetic fields. So in our energy field, some people these days call it the biofield, right? This big field that we make out of every part of ourselves. Um, inside of that are morpho or body fields that, again, we've inherited from family. And they have programs in them that connect us to, you know, species to species or female to female or one, cult, you know, one member of a culture to another. So, um Within one of our energetic fields, it's I call it the tenth auric field. Don't worry about get hung up with the name. It's not right in the skin. Right next to it is a field many people call the etheric field. Is where when we're conceived, automatically these energy p- patterns from our ancestors are joined together. Mm. I mean, you could say it's all over before you start. <laughs> You know, the idea is good, right? Like, why waste the first 50 years of your life relearning what your ancestors, you know, have been learning thousands of years? But but we know that most inheritances tend to go toward the negative. They're fear-based. Uh, you know, we we remember, you know, one positive thing to nine negative things because we want to survive. So in this miasm or energetic patterning in that field, we hold all of our ancestral programmings, probably our soul programmings, but it's not just subtle energy. Mm-hmm. I find that by the time somebody perhaps has developed an autoimmune disorder, a chronic issue, something really challenging, the patterns, the energy frequency patterns in that miasm are going to match what's happening in what's called the epigenome, the the chemistry, literally in the genes from your ancestors, these different cells in the body, the ways that your nerves fire. So we, we are products often of these miasms. And we just don't know it. So you have to like be willing to shift them so they better match your who you really are, you know, and then you start breaking out of diseases and mental strongholds so quickly. Energetic implants, on the other hand, tend to be more singular. Mm-hmm. 
So a miasm is like this huge net that you really get caught in. And it's like, yeah, I know there's like a genetic predisposition to alcoholism. Well, I think most of that is in the miasms, Mm -hmm. right? Like you just live up to them. This is how you're coded and you, it's how people treat you because it's in your energy field too. Implants are sort of put in you or on you and they tend to have more singular, precise impacts. So um, for instance, there's something that I find affecting a lot of people uh, called an energy marker. Mm. And I'm very visual. Clairvoyantly, I'm really visual. So I see these on people when I'm working with them. They almost look like big X's, maybe in a body part, in a gene, on their energy field. They tend to have been cast by something or somebody else who probably didn't even know they were doing it. And Right. The people outside kind of sense it and read it and treat you a certain way. So you could have an ex that says, um, you know, I'm not lovable. And so nobody treats you like you're lovable or I'm not smart. So people treat you like you're dumb, even if you're not. So these kind of implants and they can be carried from past lives, from other incarnations on other planets, There's many different types, but they tend to limit us in a particular area. So these not necessarily have to be like spells per se that somebody willfully put, but they can be too, right? They can be, yes. I mean, (laughs) of course. I mean, come on. That stuff is really real, right? (laughs) Right? Curses, curses, energy markers, uh, cords, which are energy attachments that keep two or more people connected and make you perform the same way with similar people over and over. But, you know, I mean, a lot of cultures understand that there are energetic implants. And so people just, you know, they use them. They use them to get their way. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't think most people know they're putting a spell on somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like, like that mean dad, when he's looking at his kid going, you're just an idiot. Yeah. I don't think he knows right. he's putting on an energy marker or a curse, but you know what? It has the same effect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's energy. It works the same way. Mm. That is very interesting. I think because of uh, technology and modern science, people have forgotten you know, how things used to work before, but then if they visit their village and they visit their great-grandmother or grandmother, then they will tell them the stories of what used to happen in the village when one person did not like the other, then they would call the wizard or shaman and put a hex or whatever. Now, maybe they didn't do it in this family, but there was that other family that nobody spoke about that used to resort to all these, you know, negative things. And then it lasts, right, beyond uh, generations. Oh, yeah. I, I have an interesting story about that. I was in California recording something several years ago. Yeah. And I was working with a woman on the phone. Now, this is a wild story. So she uh, heard one of her three daughters was going to get married. And she said, I don't, I should, I can't let my daughter get married. And I said, why? She goes, because the men we marry in my family always die. Oh, <laughs> and they're, they, they, the men who marry in always die at a really young age. She goes, I just can't do that to this young man. I mean, her two husbands had died. Her other daughter's husbands had died. And I tracked it energetically back to a, a 
previous ancestor. Okay. Let me see if I can get this right. Because this stuff is just like a movie. You know, it's sort of like you go, this would make a million dollars if it was a movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, right? So a woman was engaged to, um, a long time ago, this one woman was engaged to a man um, who she did not want to marry. He was disturbed. She married somebody different. And the the jilted affianced, right, the jilted gentleman, I don't, not sure he's a gentleman, was so angry that he was jilted that he murdered this woman's husband and he forced the parents to let him marry her. And he literally was casting a curse on any woman going downhill who would marry somebody they were in love with, he would die. Mm. It just got passed down. And there was no end to this. I don't even know why the men married into this family. I mean, come on, right? Mm -hmm. So we pass these things down until we have an awareness, AJ. Mm -hmm. And we go, I don't want to do this. I had to work on something like that that was causing an arrhythmia for me. It was a it was a um an entity that was passed. I'm Norwegian, but there's shamans in Norway. It's it there's not a lot of them. There's not a lot of really interesting people over there, but <laughs> they're all depressed and alcoholics. But yeah. um um <laughs> all right. Um but in my family there's been witchcraft going all the way back and there's been an entity passed from oldest daughter to oldest daughter to oldest daughter. And I could feel this entity wrapped around my heart. So I didn't know what to do with it. I needed help. I had this crazy cool dream that was had a cougar in it that was part of explaining this. So I went to, I said, I need to go to a shaman. Who's the most powerful shaman in my town? Mm -hmm. Brilliant man, Hanaki Azedek. Anybody who needs a real shaman in Minneapolis, Hanaki Azedek. So I go see Hanakia, big guy, right? You know, dreadlocks, robe. We're in his basement, nine o'clock at night. He's got swords on the walls. Okay. I mean, this guy, this this dude is scary. Okay. I'm scared of him, right? Mm. And he looks at me and he tells me my dream. I never told him the dream. Mm. And he said, I have to use the Bible. He hated the Bible. He said, I have to use the Bible to get rid of this entity. So he's reading the Bible and my heart's going wild. And he goes, you have a lot of Christ light. And so whenever it shines, this entity tries to leave you and it makes your heart go arrhythmic. So we sent it back. We, you know, sent healing back to my ancestors, sent this thing away and boom, I had worked on the arrhythmia with a different issue. So it was already half gone and the rest of it disappeared after that. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What are entities? Are are they like beings? Or, That's a good question. Because I'm I'm trying to, I'm going to be transitioning into another theme, which kind of makes sense. But before that, I always wonder what you know. How would you describe well, them? <laughs> it's a it's a really good question because in the spiritual wor- world we use the word a lot. An entity is just a soul. Soul. That's okay. all an entity is. You're okay. an entity. Okay. I'm an entity. Anybody living or dead, if you have incarnated, I mean, I, I believe we're all a spirit. We each have our own spirit yeah. connected to the greater spirit. And then we develop a soul, which is sort of like a slowed down version of our spirit to travel across time and gain experience. So any soul that has had some type of body, and I use that really loosely, is an entity. When we're talking about entities in the spiritual world, though, we're usually talking about deceased beings, spirits, you know, dead people, right? Um, That kind of thing. That's typically what we're talking about. Got it. Now, I want to talk about, and you write about this in your book as well, uh, you know, microbes and parasites from a spiritual standpoint, from an energetic standpoint, what role did they play? in illness and disease. I love talking about that. I'm really into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can look at it from the very literal medicinal standpoint, right? Like the physiological standpoint. But from a spiritual slash energetic standpoint, what what role do they play? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we do, since Louis Pasteur, we look at every single germ or microbe, you know, as like something to battle or in the case of the microbiome is something that can be useful. Um, there's a lot of other theories that make more sense mm-hmm. than just that. I mean, back in the 50s, there was actually a researcher, his name was uh, uh, Rife, who invented a microscope mm-hmm. where he, you love, I love that stuff. I did an right? interview with somebody you know that a- makes Rife machines and uh, scalar machines. Oh. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. it's such cool. Well, he could change one type of a microbe into another. There's family of microbes where maybe one type of microbe is a fungus and a virus, or you can change a lethal one into a non-lethal one, depending on, you know, energy or light, you know, and refraction. But I I actually believe they have different roles. Hmm. So if we see a microbe as more filling a purpose, then it's more apt to change itself from dangerous or harmful to helpful if it feels like it's done its job. So bacteria hold our feelings. The feelings we have not felt, that's what a bacteria is holding. Okay. Our repressed feelings. Most of us have a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I had bacterial infections as a kid all the time because my feelings didn't matter. 
so where did they go? They just go in and you need a suitcase to hold them. So that's what bacteria are. Parasites mimic parasitic relationships. So if you have that type of a soul and or you had a family system where you were vampirized or you had to always give away your energy, uh, you're probably going to be really vulnerable to parasites because they, they get the message, why, why not take your energy? You know, mom did, dad did, uh, you know, the world can, etc. Uh, fungus are really interesting. They're, again, they're not all bad. Uh, fungus, you know, there's different types. There's mold, there's yeast. Uh, but, but by nature, fungus have a couple different uh, jobs in the body. They hold others' emotions. So if you're in a family where everybody's just polluting with their feelings and they're not dealing with them, and you're that codependent sponge, other people's feelings are going to come in and occupy the yeast or the mold inside of your system. Mm -hmm. But, you know, fungus are really interesting because they also interconnect yeah. their communication devices. So I think on a positive side also, like if you shift your awareness of the fungus, just let them interconnect, let them be communication vehicles. So we can work really positively. Now, viruses are probably the most interesting because we've come out of coronavirus, mm. right? Well, we're in it. I mean, there's we've had coronaviruses for millions of years, by the way. Yeah. They're not new. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. not new. But viruses, scientists don't even know if they're really alive. Yeah, exactly. So they hijack. They have RNA and DNA, and they hijack and take over your cells. Now, what's cool about that is probably most evolution has occurred because of viruses. Mm -hmm. Because they carry genes from one person to another or one species to another that then bring new codes into, um, you know, other beings. And we've developed DNA and RNA probably because of viruses over millions of years. Um, but from an energetic place, you know, where I'm working with somebody who's really impacted by, you know, like a really nasty virus, I typically find that there's a cord, an energy connection between the virus and something negative outside of it feeding it. Mm -hmm. So that tends to be what I find. So you go with something like, you know, SARS-CoV-2, the recent coronavirus, you've got, there's lots of different issues that are going on there. You know, were your ancestors vulnerable? Did somebody hundreds of years ago die from a coronavirus? You're going to be more susceptible to getting really sick, you know, et cetera. But why do we have this on a bigger level? I mean, you know, I mean, look at the territorialism in our country, mm -hmm. the negativity, the hate. And so we can certainly look at it as that's being stirred up. There's entities or forces that are negative, right, that are enforcing this virus. It might equally be possible that we could decide, well, maybe we could connect because of this virus to positive things, too right? Like taking care of each other. Maybe we invoke um, forces of goodness, you know, so we can learn from this. So I ask questions like that when I'm working with microbes. Very, very interesting. And the virus part is something that, uh, you know, definitely comes to mind, right? Because 
Um, you know, like you pointed out, we fully aren't sure whether they're alive or dead yet, depending on what definition you use. And I came across this article on Scientific American, which says first seen as first seen as poisons, then as life forms, then as biological chemicals. Viruses today are thought of as being seen in a gray area between living and non-living. They cannot replicate on their own, but can do so in truly living cells and can also affect the behavior of their host profoundly. The categorization of viruses as non-living during much of the modern era of biological sciences has had an unintended consequence that has led most researchers to ignore viruses in the study of evolution. Right. So it's big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's there's these gigantic not to scare people. Yeah. And with climate change, there's these huge viruses with like two hundred and fifty to two thousand genes mm -hmm. in like the Congo in places that have been, you know, kind of like non populated or frozen. Now with everything changing, usually a virus has like eight genes, yeah. right? Or something like that, right? But now we have these gigantic viruses that are starting to perhaps move mm -hmm. into the world. And we're not ready for those. We, the, much, many of the genes on those viruses, they don't know where those genes came from. Okay. I mean, let's just go back to the ETs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, but they said it, they're not on earth. They're, these are genes that we don't see on earth. So, um, there's, I, I mean, I don't want to catch one of those viruses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> um, but they are very, you know, involved, you know, with, with life there, there's a certain type of virus. It's actually a multi microbe It's called an archaea, mm -hmm. A-R-C-H-A-E-A. -A. Fascinating. Um, there's viruses, there's bacteria, there's polyparasites. They're really teeny tiny. They're very primitive. They're everywhere. They survive almost anything. Mm -hmm. And now they're seen to have developed certain proteins and types of cells necessary for life. One of the current um, possible uh, treatments for inflammatory diseases and cancers are the archaea oh, because yeah. they seem they seem to just, you know, kind of destroy the causes of inflammation in the body. So it's like, I don't think everything we think is bad is bad. Yeah. It's more how are we using it mm -hmm. more than anything. Yeah. It almost feels, as you shared that, as if, um, you know, you had this, this theory of the galactic federations of this one species in a faraway galaxy wanting to spread its seed, so to speak. And then they used viruses to then populate the, the planet. And so then viruses should be seen as fire. Yes, it can destroy you, but then it can be used as a potent force, right? Uh, so. Well, sciencers are using viruses now. They're, they're, um, they're loading them. They're scraping them out, whatever the mm, word is, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're scraping them out and loading them. I think there was like three types of protein that were recently used. Right. So they're loading them, putting them in cancer tumors, blowing them up, and then the body can find the cancer cells and destroy it. I mean, we're just starting to tap into the potency okay. of the world of microbes. Just starting to. I mean, it's still scary as a as an individual person. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? That's why I like looking at things more positively. AJ, like if I if I have a bacteria infection, 
I can own my feelings. Mm -hmm. I can work on my feelings. I can go, what have I not been feeling and expressing? And I can help myself that way. So is that the healing uh, by feeling approach that you talk about uh, in your book? Yes. Right. Um. Yes. I don't know if anybody anybody likes feelings. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I think they're far overrated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember years ago, I was in my first therapy group. I've done therapy forever now, yeah. right? To receive it. Yeah. Um, I was in a therapy group and I was a year and a half in and I think I'm doing so well. And I take this Myers-Briggs test. It's a personality test based on Carl Jung's philosophies. And what tests up is in one of the four categories, I'm what they call a thinker instead of a feeler. I have no F, no feeling. And I'm, I was so depressed. Mm -hmm. I went to my therapy group and I said, what's wrong with me? Like I've spent all this time, now it's been decades, I've spent all this time doing my feelings and all I do is think. And... <laughs> The therapist said, thank God we've got some people thinking down here, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, but, but feelings are it. That's our, there are, um, there are steering wheels. They tell us what our soul is going through, what the body needs. The key is don't be feeling other people's feelings mm. for them. Yeah. Hello. Make sure you're feeling your own <laughs> feelings, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I've got a quick uh, story story to share because I'm just coming out of a like either a, a bacterial or maybe a little bit fungal sort of infection that I had that made me sick for a couple of days. And uh, as I look back in terms of why this might have happened, I realized that a few weeks back I was having some anxiety and a lot of stress. And I think at that point, my body's immune system kind of went down, but also, uh, so maybe that was an, like you have these opportunistic pathogens that look for an opportunity to then come onto your body, right? And uh, I've not fallen sort of sick in the last five years. I'm, and I'm for the most part, pretty healthy. Uh, you know, I eat well, go to the gym, but then I had that happen. And intuitively knowing what I now know because of, you know, conversations with yourself, as well as other people on my show, I realized that. You know, when you fall sick, you should not just immediately take your medicine because like you pointed out, right? It's sometimes it's an opportunity for you to feel what you need to feel and go through what you need to and sit down in what you're experiencing because that itself can be the medicine that you need, right? And I, I, I needed that. Yeah, you know, I felt deep down when I sat down, I had visions of my mom come through, my grandmother come through, and they place their hands on my body for healing in a very shamanic way. I had visions of me really connecting with what, what my true purpose is, what my true calling is, right? And slowly but surely, I'm getting better. But then now, I feel it's better than me immediately taking that medicine because now I feel that my, my body has healed itself through you know, natural medicine and some meditation and breath work and going outside rather than, you know, like giving the body a, a, sh a shortcut. But then once the real issue happens and the body does not have, you know, like a natural framework or a blueprint to how, how to heal yourself again. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that because I find in the wellness community frequently yeah. there's this shame. There's this shame around getting sick. Yeah. We have a body. 
it's a messaging. We get overtired. Sometimes a cold is a cold is a cold, right? Yeah, exactly. But more, but it's also part of being human and aware and alive, you know, and to embrace what's happening. And, you know, I have a good friend who's actually a hospice worker, mm -hmm. and she says she's just astonished how often somebody loses a loved one, and a month later, if they're still grieving, the doctor wants to give them an antidepressant. Yeah. It's like, you need to cry. Right. You need to have the memories. You need to feel. And so anytime I'm, I am I tend to gauge, like if I, if I feel like I'm getting something and there's no deeper message to it, right? I pay attention to, well, I stop that sugar. I go to bed. I, I work with a kind of light that in the, um, you know, in the quantum world is called virtual light, mm -hmm. which are quantum fluctuations. I literally just say, okay, I need some virtual light. Okay. It's like that wave. It's like wave particle thing. You open to some virtual and it just speeds things up yeah. and I get well much quicker. Okay. But you know, that's not going to work all the time because there might be like a deeper meaning mm. and a lesson. Yeah. I've had COVID. I've had COVID twice. The first time I caught it in China, mm -hmm. I was I was part of the flock that brought it here from China in the end of in the manufacturing center. You mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah, right, 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 right. yeah. Right, right. I actually caught it in China. Right. I'm coming back that November December from China, and I, in 19, I'm like, I don't feel good. Oh, God, okay. I'm so tired. Like I got all the symptoms, and I didn't know what it was. Right. right? But be, but partially because I didn't know what it was, you know, oh, okay. I just thought, well, I think it's a virus. I don't know what I'm connected to, you know, whatever the negative is. Yeah. I'm gonna. I brought my ancestors in. I turned things to positive. I really only had serious symptoms for like a day, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Yeah. I got it again, the Omicron, this last February, and I was much not. I don't think I was sicker. It lasted longer mm -hmm. because there was more for me to gain from it. Mm -hmm. Because I was really ignoring. I was overworking. Right. I was ignoring what I liked doing versus what I didn't like doing. I had no boundaries. That's so true. None. Right. Oh, none. I was like, you know, I was in my old codependent behavior stuff mm -hmm. in a couple places. I mean, it took me three weeks and I wasn't sick, sick, right? Um, you know, not like hospitalized, but it was like sick enough. I was like totally annoyed with myself, but I kept going now, Cindy, look at this opportunity. Just sit with this. What are you going to change? What are you going to own? And I too had visions. I also had visitations at night with different messages coming oh, like yeah. how to look at right so if you're ready to look at something you'll get help too well sometimes uh, when you have a fever or sickness it can be hallucinatory right it, it it does something to your visions because you're a little bit disoriented you're like not that much connected to the physical sense but you're also opening up and then this space this gap between awake and going to sleep sort of becomes dilated in a bit and dreams don't seem like they usually seem to. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. Well, we're not so attached into the right. very tiny little bit of dense matter, as you so well pointed out when we started talking, that very, very little mm -hmm. particle stuff, which isn't really even a particle. It really is just a wave all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? 
we're not so glued into it. So we're more open. And I've done some plant medicine years and years ago, a little bit more recently, right? you know, and, um, I tend to let myself, I love the visions. I don't get lost in the visions. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't want to get distracted by the visions. I want the meaning of them. Right. So I, I, I play with that. Mm -hmm. Gopi Krishna has, um, he's a, he's a teacher of years back and not of mine, but I read him, um, had two Kundalini awakenings and he came out of both of them miserable. Um, may I say (laughs) very miserable. Who's to say this is an easy path. Um, but both times he said, you know, take these CD or the spiritual gifts for what they are, just but don't get lost in them. Right. Go for the meaning. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So, um, sometimes I get a voice. So I let this one voice, I don't even know what the voice is. It's a good voice, soul, God, whatever the word is, that'll come in now too when I get visions and just say, here's the meaning. Mm. Here's the meaning. So I've been trying to cultivate that for myself too. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. And I, I quite resonate with what you went through in, in Feb. It just felt to me like I had some downloads and I needed to write it down so that I can use them as wisdom later on. Uh, but it almost felt like this was like a spiritual sickness that I went through because I was doing almost going down a path that I should not be going and sort of sticking to what makes me uh, you know, really joyful, but also allows me to be of best use to to people in life um, and, and sort of aligning with my purpose, so to speak. And it's fascinating how when we, you know, go down the wrong route compared to what our soul's journey is, the body is going to find any sort of, right, uh, person or experience <laughs> or sickness to, to jerk us through that experience to say, you're not supposed to be doing this, right? <laughs> this is your path. It's going to be long. It's going to be hard, but this is your path, not that. <laughs> right. I know. Right, right, right. And, and, and just to learn the patience with ourselves, right. I have finally learned, finally learned much of the time just to pause, mm. right? When, when something doesn't, when I don't know, when I, when, when I'm not really clear, mm-hmm. even when people are pressuring me like, well, this is a great opportunity. Right. And if I'm not feeling it, I just go, yeah, thank you. I'll just wait until I know. Mm. I'll just wait until it's it's clear to me. Ah. Wow, my life has gotten so much easier. I think I'm much more annoying to other people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Of course, well, when you have uh, yourself uh, visions to write books that are 800 pages or more, you need time. <laughs> you can't just say to, yes to any opportunity, right? Uh, but that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, Speaking of dreams, you did receive uh, the four pathway model for healing in your dreams. Like, right? we talk a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this was many, many years ago, like 18, 20, whatever years ago. Yeah. My first book, a, a book on chakras, you could just look up the word chakra. And most of my books have the word chakra in it, whatever. So um, I'd written my first book, and I had a contract to write a second book. Mm-hmm. And I was almost done. I was almost done. And I had a dream, you know, it's that real dream. It's the lucid, real, interactive dreams. Christ showed up and said, 
that's not your second book. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> it's almost done. He was like, no, that's, that's not the book. That's not the book you're supposed to write. Right. That's not the book. And then he proceeded to show me these four pathways of reality. And it was all kind of around my refrigerator, which is why you know you're not making it up because who would reveal <laughs> all of reality around you know a single mother's refrigerator? Right. I mean, honestly. Well, the boys rotated around the refrigerator. In fact, the aunt, everybody did in that household. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so what was shown to me were these four levels of reality that it appeared that Jesus, you know, kind of was kind of going between them or wanting us to be aware that we can work in these four different layers or levels simultaneously, one at a time. You know, it's a way of organizing, you know, how to become more powerful and how to be filled with more grace at the same time. So that became the second book. Now, what was interesting, and it was 500 pages at that point, by the way. Yeah. So it got published and was immediately bought by Random House and killed. They killed the book. Never really sold. Hmm. Except except it became an indie fan favorite. Right? You know those like Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of favorites? Mm -hmm. It was like that. People were buying it for $150 to $200 off of the internet. You know, when it, I was like, they were like, this is the most amazing book. People were writing me from everywhere, you know, going, like, this is the most amazing book. And I'm like, well, it's dead. It makes me no money. Right. It was nothing. Um, I got the rights back about three, four years ago. I added to it. And I still believe the book is very unreadable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And so it's part of why I teach classes out of it. It's a frame. It's a model for getting, you know, it's a, it's a model for organizing the mind for healing. But mm -hmm. almost everything over the past 18 years I've taught, much of it has come out of that modeling. It, you know, it, it just truly has. Mm -hmm. And as part of this framework, you talk also about the two universes, right? You found that we tend to yeah. spend time in these two universes. Um, could you talk about these two universes, the original universe and then the shadow universe? Yeah, yeah. Well, and we've been talking about energy on and off through this whole time. So we can still perceive the effects of the pre-Big Bang, whatever the, pre, whatever the Big Bang really was, the big crunch, the this, that, the other thing, the many worlds exploding all at the same time, whatever. But, but we see this sort of absolute light, the echoing from before we had, you know, energy that was oppositional or energy that would be, you know, kind of weak nuclear force, strong nuclear force, you know, all this, even gravity, right? That which was still lingers. It's kind of an absolute light. Mm -hmm. And the second universe is the one that's expanding. I call it the shadow universe or the polarity universe, because we tend to mainly identify in it the very few particle waves that are oppositional you know, that are like every electron is matched with a positron. So an electrical charge with a positive charge, or we have matter and antimatter. That's what we almost only identify with. Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, there's a reality that is here that's comparable to heaven, that's comparable to a spiritual universe, that all the great teachers, gurus, spiritual people have come to say, don't you see it? It's here. 
it's here. You even go back to Genesis. There's two creation stories in Genesis, mm -hmm. two of them. There's one in which, you know, God made Adam, you know, and it was the, you know, the Yahweh, the Jehovah, the male God made Adam and then saw that Adam needed, you know, companionship. So he, you know, made the woman out of the rib. But then there's another creation story where the God is the Elohim, which is a uh, plural term, mm -hmm. a plural term, right. and everything is equal. Then, and we have two trees. We have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which here we are, <laughs> right? Karma. But there's a tree of life as well. So to me, that heavenly universe equates with the tree of life, with the spirit, with the equality, you know, with the Elohim, with what we're, with the light, the teachings of the light, we're really trying to embody here. And then we have the second universe, which is the daily, the one we over-identify with, you know, okay. where there's good, there's bad, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, or bad, you know, this stuff that's like, it's what we're living. It's what we're doing to each other. We have both choices. Mm -hmm. We're in both at the same time. Got it. Got it. So it almost feels as if for somebody who has a vision, who has some kind of calling, who wants to create something out of nothing, they need to energize themselves in the heavenly universe every once in a while and then come back into the shadow universe, maybe, exactly. and then create and execute exactly. and work within the confines of the physics that operates in this plane of reality. Yeah, because the physics are real. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it it's like we all know, don't jump off that cliff. Yeah. Because even if you believe you're going to fly, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a functionalism in this sort of shadow polarity. There's yeah. a functionalism. I think of it as the soil. We, it's soil. We get to see what we're going to grow here. You know, it's like, what, what kind of seed did we plant? What's it growing into? How do we tend to it? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And it's what we call physical. Um, but it's not all there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's new to the topic of quanta or quantum and i sort of gave a hint at the very beginning could you give us uh, an overview of what you what fascinates you about the nature of quantum what is so spooky what is so eerie what is so strange about how things operate in the quantum <laughs> well i think it explains everything yeah. it explains weird people yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I was the weird kid who talked to spirits yeah. <laughs> i was the we weird kid who saw colors right yeah. i was the kid who everybody thought was retarded <laughs> dumb right yeah. because i knew there was more than one way to do math yeah you know until finally they tested me and i've got this genius level something and they stuck me in math lab which i hated uh, to make bookcases of all things but i'm like don't you people get it you know, it, it's, it's like, that's quantum reality. It's the stuff we know inside. Like, don't you guys get it? Thoughts count. Feelings count. I can tell what's happening around the world. I have a dream at night and, you know, then an airliner goes down and I knew that was going to happen. Oh. It's 
right? Quanta are, they call them subatomic particles. So typically we're working with atoms and molecules, which themselves are mainly space, mm -hmm. really, to be honest, right? Yeah. But it's sort of measurable. It's sort of measurable and you put them together in different ways and, you know, you make different stuff out of it. And that's really cool. You got hot tea or cold tea, right? That's how that works. Yeah. Um, or coffee or tea or whatever your thing is. Um, but quanta, they don't obey Newton's laws. They just don't care that you're, they're supposed to stay put. You know, like when I set, you know, when I pick up a rock, the quanta associated with this rock, who knows where they just went? Mm -hmm. I, they're probably in China, you know, having tea right now. So it's, it really explains intuition, psychism, spirituality, how we can have a oneness and each be very unique and disparate and individualized. Uh, that's what quantum is. They're, the rules, there really aren't any. They keep making new rules up for quantum and then they <laughs> just make new ones, right? Yeah. You know, when two people or objects have once met, they stay associated. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, and they tend to have an oppositional impact. So if one goes up, the other one goes down, unless that's not what happens. So it's like, it kind of just explains, you know, miracles. It explains, you know, why we know there's more than what we see. Mm -hmm. We are at an interesting time right now uh, in terms of energy um, because of two reasons. One is, you know, they talk about the serious gateway 2022, which some yes. people say, you know, it's an annual event, but especially this year, it has the effect of opening portals from the Sirius galaxy and the Sirius star mm -hmm. being, I think, 24 times stronger than the sun. It's called the spiritual sun, so to speak. Yes. So that, which is from 3rd to 9th July, and then the CERN Hadron Collider Experiment, which they are running this year, oh, yes. right? I know. I saw that. On July 5th and them you know, coinciding with each other. Do you think that's, there's a lot to it? Or do you think that's just, you know, some people. I think there's a lot to yeah? it. I think okay. there's a lot to it. I do. I think it's going to blow people's brains. Yeah. But in a positive way. Oh. I mean, we are, we are neurologically, again, our brain mathematically goes in 11 dimensions. Our cells have these tails on them yeah. that go into different dimensions. We we create these Mobius loops inside of our body where there's oppositional uh, energies that meet that um, open us up to other galaxies and other dimensions. So we're, you're talking about quanta impact that I believe is equivalent to having people, giving people the invitation to opening them up uh, whatever you want to call the white light, I think it's about opening up that white light, mm. the oneness, whatever you want to call it there. I, I've had several experiences with it and I've had them in uh, one recently in the body, the physical body, where all of a sudden it was like my neurology just was like, this is just white light. We're all just love. It sounds so corny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's all that there is. That's all that there is. And I think when we when we blend, when the portals open so other energies, beings, dimensions, planes of existence can pour in, and we're stirring the subatomic plot line, yeah. right? We're stirring Higgs boson particles, mm -hmm. you know, which some people call the God particles. Mm -hmm. um, we're invited to be aware of oneness and what that means for us. 
Wow. So Action Tribe, just in case you didn't know, the collider that we're talking about, the the Large Hadron Collider is the most powerful accelerator in the world. It boosts particles such as protons, which form all of the matter that we know, It and they accelerate to a speed close to that of light, and then they collide with other protons. And this collision produces massive particles known, known as the Higgs boson or the top quark. And what they're saying is that this year when they do this, something is going to open up. And there are a lot of theories yeah. around that. <laughs> There's a lot of theories. And Higgs boson, we don't technically understand them, but they have sometimes been called the God particle because they seem to perhaps explain gravity mm-hmm. and connection. And, you know, who knows how life came to be even. Now, Cindy, um, you know, in reading your books and maybe watching podcasts like these and doing practices, I'm sure people around the world are going through their own versions of awakening, right? And when when you're going through awakening, you have different symptoms and you have different signs and different things that are happening to your body. Now, one thing that I have noticed and I wanted to know your opinion is called the um, Anahata Dwani or the Anahata sound, where you hear this low ringing or this um, white noise in the background. Uh, now, I know it's not sort of tinnitus because, you know, it doesn't have any, um, it, I, I read the causes of why, why tinnitus is, is caused medically, but it doesn't sort of match that. And for me, for the most part, it's only when I close my eyes to meditate that the sound begins to begins to start. What are your thoughts on this? Have you come across that yourself? Uh, maybe personally or maybe with your clients? Yeah, I have. I have a lot of people bring that up, you know, kind okay. of the love sound, the love song. Yeah. Uh, there, I've, I've read different studies in physics over the years that there is a background sound yeah. in the universe, and it is that. And a lot of people believe that is the divine ohm, you know, or the it's the cosmic background radiation is what I call absolute light, you know, kind of one of the markers of a heavenly universe that is present. So sometimes there's a sound. Sometimes people get literally more flashes of white light. And of course, you want to rule out stroke or, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. or eating too much sugar before you go to bed but there can be flashes neurological flashes of light Mm -hmm. that happen more dreams Mm -hmm. i think typically too there can be more visions more dreams you know more of a sense of at night you know there's you're you're being unaccompanied you know and maybe even more signs in your life Mm -hmm. you know just more things that are seem we would maybe once call serendipitous but they're you know serendipity is really just you know, symbioticism, yeah. you know, it's just events. It's like the CERN, you know, collisions <laughs> that are happening. It's just, you know, like you're being moved into a place and a way of being. Sometimes people get real emotional. Mm-hmm. And again, I differentiate between typical anxiety or depression or unhealthy eating patterns or, you know, whatever. But but you can just be struck with feelings, emotions, processing. Um, I know I've been crying a lot more, but not sad tears, more like, you know, just welling up and Mm. just my heart being filled. It's just my heart fills. It's like it fills. And then I, I tear up and I don't even bother to try to put anything with it. It's, it's like a beautiful feeling of bittersweet, like the bittersweet draught of life. So I, 
I get, I'm patient with myself during this time. You know, I'm finding that I'm taking a little bit more time off work. I'm walking more. I'm being more mindful of my diet. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's how I'm kind of like treating myself. And I've got some vacations, yeah. <laughs> which I think we all need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's very true. I mean, if yeah. you really think about all the things that we take for granted each and every day, and those are opportunities to to cry for. Like I went through my sickness. When I was sick, I could not even move. I, I, I could just sit there and just, I didn't have much choice. I didn't have energy at all. I could not go to the fridge. I could not go for a walk. I could not, all these things that I took for granted, going for a jog, going for a walk, being able to breathe properly, uh, being able to enjoy my food. Those were all, I was stuck there, right? And then when I came, I'm coming out of it. Now I'm realizing, oh, these are not just things to be taken for granted. These are experiences that you get to have because there's some person out there somewhere, somehow, that is not able to enjoy, you know, the gifts that you've been given. So these are opportunities to cry for. Maybe not feel sad, but then feel grateful that you are the custodian of that sense, so to speak, and so make the most out of it, right? Yeah, that's a beautiful way to speak to it. And and to be just gentle and patient with ourselves. I I we haven't talked that much about this, but I would emphasize the boundary piece again. I mean, mm-hmm. in the wellness field, we talk a lot about boundaries. It gets confusing though. Like yeah. we're supposed to be about love. Isn't love, you know, love can't have opinions. Right. Well, sure it can. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I have found that the more not internal in a way of cutting out the world, but but more spirit-based I am with myself and that sense of, you know, being part of something bigger. Honestly, I'm setting up even more boundaries. They just kind of come out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, you know, no, I don't want to do that. Or I think I'm going to do this instead. Or, you know, thank you, but I don't need to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. So differentiation is really important, you know, in the middle. If we go back to that idea, the light and the dark are rising, it's just an opportunity to just to keep differentiating for us mm-hmm. what matches and what doesn't. Got it. Uh, Cindy, what are imaginal realms? I know we talk about imagination, and I know you put a lot of emphasis in your book in drawing from this these imaginal realms for healing, for comfort, for you know uh, wellness overall. The imaginal realms—it's an Arabic concept from the 1200s that talk about there's levels of reality that our soul is able to end in you know, get enchanted with constantly. Mm -hmm. So I always picture myself as in the center of these concentric circles. The denser are close to me, the more spiritual are farther away from me, but they're not my worlds, they're worlds. Mm -hmm. They're literally other worlds. And Carl Jung borrowed from this concept to come up with the archetype. Uh, At Harvard, they're doing research to explain that creative people often open doorways between these realms to bring in new ideas or to bring a part of their soul in from someplace else to create with. And so it's a concept that, uh, you know, that we can understand from a psychic point of view, you know, but also why so many of us believe that we're here with fairies, right? Or unicorns or other terrestrials, even from the past. It's really just a series of interwoven realms. 
I almost exclusively work with that ideas when I'm going to work with a client and I want to connect with a guide for them. You know, I understand that there's all these different realms and I trust that my spirit, their spirit, greater spirit is going to pick a contact Mm -hmm. that's going to be good for them and going to give them what they need. Got it. And I know we sort of started or spoke about this uh, at the beginning. Um, In your opinion, how many other species are humans in in touch with right now? Oh, hundreds. I mean, I've been, you know, it's interesting because over the past year and a half, I've been teaching classes about this, which I never did before because people want to know about it. They want to know who am I talking to? Where do I come from? I really do believe that there are hundreds and Uh, I did have a really interesting experience several years ago. It was a Halloween, around Halloween. I was at a mall with a girlfriend. Just a mall, like a very upscale, fancy, expensive mall. Yeah. But nobody was wearing costumes. It was before Halloween. Okay. And all of a sudden... I kept seeing people almost like I was in a move in, in part of Star Trek. Like they all looked like they were from other planets, like tall, big, you know, brown bears. I mean, like literally like from other planets, right. they all look different. And after about 10 minutes of walking around like this, my friend said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And I said, well, that depends on what you're seeing. <laughs> we both, saw the same we could look at a person and see them looking you know like a like it's indescribable like a pink elephant frankenstein they're not what we think Mm -hmm. we aren't what we think we have bloodlines from all over or our soul has our souls have come from all over many places so i i think there's probably um, big groupings of beings, you know, Sirius, Orion, the Pleiades, um, the Hather, you know, the Venusians. I mean, I'm sure there's major groups, but the Dogans, um, but I'm sure there's groups that I wouldn't even have a name for because I wouldn't know about them. Right, 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 right. So what happened in your example with your friend? Uh, did you move to a different place? Did you like... No. Whoa, whoa. It just stopped. It it probably went on for about 15, 20 minutes and then it stopped. It was like we were both in some kind of a beautiful trance. We weren't looking to do this. And and it was it was a lesson, right? That you would you would ignore it if you got it alone. Mm, (laughs) Right? It would be easier to ignore it. Years ago I led a group of women to Sedona and about 20 of us. The very last night we did a ceremony. Yeah at night, you know, with a fire, we drove off in different trucks, but we all ended up three, four trucks of us converging in the desert at the same place. Now, how did that happen? Mm. We saw, we saw spaceships. There were spaceships, three spaceships. The next morning, half the women said they didn't, it didn't happen. Half of them were like, that never happened. Wait, so 
from your perspective, what what was that experience like? The spaceships, because this seems like a really life defining moment. What? <laughs> it was. They were they were spaceships. I mean, they were like you know, like like you know, kind of how they look. You know, like saucers. And they dipped down, and I could hear the thought forms of one of the spaceships talking to us. So I channeled through some of the message. It was very loving. It was very kind. Okay. Um, and and you know. It, it was, they were beings. They were not Air Force. They were not Air Force. <laughs> they were, okay. uh, no, they were beings from other planets talking to us. How many of them and were there? Other, oh, three, okay. three spaceships, three. And, but I tell you, and other people heard what I was hearing. Mm. The next morning, though, the women were, half of them were like, no, 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 that didn't happen. They just didn't want it in their reality. Okay. They just... They just cut it out of their reality. Mm. They just did. You know, and I know really normal people, not just people who do what I do for a living, right? Yeah. You know, who have talked about seeing spaceships. I remember going on a blind date, like a match.com date thing with one guy. So we're sitting there and he found out what I did. He goes, you know, I saw a spaceship one time. So he talks about when he was like 13, 14. It literally, he was biking. It came down next to him. He could feel the suction. Yeah. There was a being in it, and then it just got up. And he was like, I know that was real, but what am I supposed to do with that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are you supposed least, to do with that, right? Yeah. At least he remembers. Right. At least he remembers. I think many of us just look to discredit mm-hmm. what seems to be not normal. Is there a book that you trust on this topic that talks about either uh, encounters or maybe things along those lines? I don't know. I don't know if there's a single book, to be honest. Or a Um, documentary or something like that? You know, I really like, you know, there's the, there's the uh, documentaries on the, there's the history channel has a lot of them, you know, and I trust like Graham Hancock Mm -hmm. and those kind of writers who talk about, you know, who come from that research place. I trust all of those writers. They're excellent. Got it. Got it. Amazing. Uh, It was an amazing session that uh, we've done today. Thanks a lot for sharing all the stories that you shared, the themes, the uh, questions that you encouraged all our listeners to ask um, based on what you've shared so far. How can somebody listening learn more about you? Just my website, cindydale.com. It's spelled odd, C-Y-N-D-I. cindydale.com is great. Amazing. We'll have uh, these links definitely up in the show notes. Action Tribe, if you enjoyed this particular episode, then make sure that you write us an iTunes rating and review. Um, Or if you're on Spotify, make sure you leave us a rating and review. If you're on Instagram, then please take a screenshot of this episode, wherever you're listening, take a screenshot and then tag both me and Cindy. My handle is at my seven chakras and Cindy's handle is Cindy Dale Energy. Make sure you tag both of us so that we can share it with our communities. But again, Cindy, it was so nice to have you on our show. Thank you so much for uh, appearing on the show, sharing all of this wisdom and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Chakras.com. That is my S E V E N Chakras.com. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.